Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Good morning, siblings. Today, I'm sharing a series of posts with you on keeping Passover. If you're reading this because you want to keep Passover this year but are not quite sure how, I want to encourage you to read my other two posts in addition to this one. I feel confident that the three posts together will give you the information and peace you need to move forward with having a deeply meaningful Passover. I began working on this post weeks ago by writing a Messiah-centered Seder program known as a Haggadah. These are small booklets that serve as scripts to follow during a Passover meal. Now, they literally read as you would a script for a play, with roles being assigned and readings listed for each role to read aloud during the meal. I set out to do this because a traditional Seder is what most people think of when they think of Passover. You see, our Jewish brethren have been faithful in keeping Passover, whereas we, believers in Messiah, have largely abandoned this feast of the Father and developed our own traditions instead. And so, when we return to keeping a feast, it's only natural that we would look to those who are already keeping it for instruction on how to do just that. However, a Seder is simply a traditional way to keep Passover that has evolved over the ages from our Jewish brethren. While it is a lovely tradition, it is not the only way to follow the instructions of our Father for keeping His Passover, and so we need to be careful not to teach that it is. In Matthew fifteen nine, Messiah warns of those who teach man-made ideas as if they are commandments by saying, Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Now, don't get me wrong. Traditions can be beautiful things. However, I want to be careful not to treat tradition as if it were commandment. The thing is, we have to pay attention to the soil that we are planting seeds in, or our efforts will not yield the fruit we are hoping for. Now, this realization brought my Passover Seder writing to a hard stop, because I realized that if I were to release a Seder, many would view it as the one and only way to do Passover. Even though I wouldn't be teaching tradition as commandment, it would be viewed that way by some. And so, the Father brought my efforts there to a hard stop. Now, I want to be clear. There's nothing wrong with having or participating in a Passover Seder program. It checks all the boxes we are given on how to keep the Passover and then some. But, it is not required. And it is not the only way to keep Passover. So instead of teaching you tradition, I'm going to explain what is asked of us biblically and how to keep Passover. If you would like to add traditions in or follow traditions that others follow, you're free to. But I would encourage you, especially those with impressionable children at home, to avoid tradition until you have the basics down pat, lest you risk inadvertently treating them as commandments in both yourself and your family. The point and theme of my Passover instructions are this. Yahweh's way is simple. We are the ones who make it complicated. This time of year, each year, 
After a whirlwind couple of months of studying the Bible in depth and what, for many, is the first time we arrive at Passover. Without fail, by the time we get to this point, I've heard countless renditions of, this is so complicated, there's too much to learn, this is too hard. Despite the Father breaking it down time and time again to basic building blocks. However, I get it. I get it. The thing is, we were meant to be raised in this, immersed in it from the moment we came into the world. So when we finally settle in to read the Bible and discover there really is information in there that we were supposed to be applying to our lives, it can be disheartening and overwhelming. But the Father's ways are simple. We are the ones who complicate them. And so I'm always taken aback when folks who still feel a little bit overwhelmed and perhaps even intimidated by just reading the Bible then want to commit to a two-plus-hour Passover Seder. Again, this is not me speaking out against Seders. They are a lovely tradition and one of the ways that you can do all that is asked of us for Passover. However, they are not the only way and they are not biblically prescribed or required. The fact that we don't do a Seder in our home should not be overlooked. When we began keeping the feast, we wanted to be careful not to just add in a bunch of traditions that we then felt were inseparable from part of the feast. Our concern was, being new to the feast, that our kids would take those traditions as commandments and treat them as such going forward. And so the following is what we settled on. Now, to begin with, Passover is a single meal. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is a week. We eat the Passover meal in the evening, and as the sun sets, the Feast of Unleavened Bread begins. As these two biblical feasts take place on top of one another, they are often referred to collectively simply as Passover. What do we do? Well, this is simple, and yes, I can give you a checklist. But in all things, I suggest you read the Bible firsthand and take personal responsibility for studying and knowing it. First of all, we remove the leaven from our homes, Exodus twelve fifteen. We have a special Passover meal, Exodus twelve sixteen. We eat bitter herbs at our Passover meal, Numbers nine eleven. We tell the story of the Exodus in whole or in part found in Exodus 4.1 through Exodus 13.10. We eat unleavened bread each day of the week, Exodus 12.15. On the first and seventh day of unleavened bread, we have a Bible study together with our families and our fellowship if possible. Our Passover meal meets this, this for the first day as that begins at sunset on the day we have our meal. No, we do not sacrifice a lamb. There are a few answers I can give you as to why, but for now, I'll stick with we have no temple and we are not Levitical priests. See Deuteronomy twelve thirteen. Now, my other Passover post goes into more detail on this. Outside of Israel and in the time we are living in, we are not able to keep Passover perfectly. However, we do this in memorial of the Passover and we do not let what we cannot do serve as an excuse to not do what we can. In Exodus 12, we find our instructions for keeping Passover. Exodus 12, 14 begins with, This day is to be a memorial for you, and you must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You are to celebrate it throughout your generations as a permanent statute. You must eat unleavened bread for seven days. On the first day, you must remove yeast from your houses. Whoever eats what is leavened from the first day through the seventh day must be cut off from Israel. You are to hold a sacred assembly on the first day and another sacred assembly on the seventh day. No work may be done on those days except for preparing what people need to eat. You may do only that. 
You are to observe the festival of unleavened bread, because on this very day I brought your divisions out of the land of Egypt. You must observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent statute. You are to eat unleavened bread in the first month from the evening of the 14th day of the month until the evening of the 21st day. Yeast must not be found in your houses for seven days. And that is Acts, I'm sorry, that's Exodus 12, verses 14 through 19. And in Numbers 9, verses 9 through 14, we read, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Tell the Israelites, When any one of you or your descendants is unclean because of a corpse or is on a distant journey, he may still observe the Passover to the Lord. Such people are to observe it in the second month, on the fourteenth day at twilight. They are to eat the animal with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They may not leave any of it until morning or break any of its bones. They must observe the Passover according to all its statutes. But the man who is ceremonially clean is not on a journey and yet fails to observe the Passover is to be cut off from his people because he did not present the Lord's offering at its appointed time. That man will bear the consequences of his sin. Now, if a foreigner resides with you and wants to observe the Passover to the Lord, he is to do so according to the Passover statute and its ordinances. You are to apply the same statute to both the foreign resident and the native of the land. Did y'all catch that verse about the foreigner who resides among them observing Passover? Now, keep in mind that these instructions are to Yahweh's chosen people, which many of us claim to be. The problem is, we claim to be chosen and therefore ascribe all the blessings of the chosen people to ourselves, but we tend to excuse ourselves from the expectations of the chosen people. Just in case someone is not quite at the point of understanding that we are adopted and grafted into Israel, this verse is there as an addition that can help them to see reasoning for keeping Passover. In His great and unending grace, Yahweh covers all the bases even making allowances for folks who don't quite know where they fit in just yet. What is leavening? In Bible times, this was simply yeast or their bread starter. Many people remove anything with yeast from their homes. Get ready to read a lot of ingredients list. Others remove anything with yeast, baking powder, or baking soda. Now, I am in that second category, but you are fine just removing yeast products if that's what you choose to do. That is entirely biblical. Remember, this isn't about doing what I do or keeping Passover as I keep Passover. This is about a personal relationship between you and the Father. Seek Him in all things. So what do you mean by remove them from your home? Well, some people donate all products with leavening. Some people put them in a storage bin or boxes and remove them from the house until after the feast is over. I tend to keep a lot of yeast on hand in my freezer, so during this week, I put all of that in a box and keep it in a storage building in my backyard. I could throw it away or donate it, but I know I will need that in the coming year, and I want to be a good steward of my resources. My timeline. Now, this year, Passover is the evening of March 27th on the calendar we use. One week before, I removed the leavening. I set aside some time to clean and organize the pantry. I remove all leavened products and place them in an easy-to-access location. Anything that there is too much of to use up, place in a storage bin to either donate or otherwise remove from the house. I plan the Passover menu and shop for my groceries. Also, I plan the menu for the week of unleavened bread to make sure you have all those groceries that you'll need as well. I have recipes that we use below in this post. Now, keep in mind that we are told to eat unleavened bread each day during those seven days. That doesn't mean you have to eat a plateful. A bite will suffice. 
but you'll want to have some on hand. I bake mine, but most folks simply purchase a box of matzah, which is a thin cracker, and eat that. One to three days before Passover, with my menu planned, I prepare any items that can be made ahead of time. The day of Passover. This is a day for another clean sweep of the house and lots of cooking, table setting, and preparing for our meal that evening. I usually make two or three pans of unleavened bread to have handy for the next couple of days, as my recipe prepared can be the base for cinnamon sugar bread and Passover pizza later on. My Passover menu this year. This year, we have family coming to our home for Passover. We're going to eat outside on the patio, and food will be served buffet style. Now, some items I'm going to list below include recipe links, which go to a website that I used to own, but I retired from last year in order to focus on Bible study full-time. The new owner is a wonderful person, and I know she will appreciate you paying her a visit. Tell her Christy sent you. <laughs> so the first order item we have is bitter herbs and dark green salad with honey Vidalia vinaigrette. Now, the recipe is linked for that vinaigrette. It's to my old website. For the salad, I purchased dark salad greens and tear up fresh parsley in it with that as my bitter herb. We are also having pot roast and gravy, which I will cook in the crock pot. We will have a small dish of lamb. We do not care for lamb, so I will purchase a little bit of this pre-cooked from a hero shop. Corn in butter sauce, recipe linked here. Mashed potatoes. My soft unleavened bread, recipe linked here skillet candied apples, roasted broccoli, roasted assorted veggies, and spring fruit salad with lemon honey dressing. Last, we will have cinnamon sugar unleavened bread as another little treat. Some other Passover recipes you might enjoy, link to here. A lot of these recipes I just mentioned are linked, so you'll need to visit the original post to find those links. Um, you might enjoy coconut macaroons and three-ingredient soft unleavened tortillas. Now, giving up bread for a week isn't difficult for us, as we're not big bread people, which is a result of eating low-carb in the past. However, there are all sorts of specialty mixes you can get for Passover, either online or in local grocery stores. The Publix in Alabama usually carry quite a few. Note that these do contain baking soda, so it depends on what you've determined is leavening in your home. If you simply remove products containing yeast, these will be fine to use. Below is a link to one that we've had before, and it was delicious, so that might get you started. Now, many of you are familiar with the traditional Southern Sunday dinner. You may have got that distinct feeling from looking over my menu and reading about my plans. Truthfully, if you were to come to my home during our Passover meal, you'd see something looking very akin to that. The main differences are that we are not serving or eating anything with leavening, and we will be reading from Exodus and talking about the story of Passover as a means of telling our, of our Father's goodness. If that feels far simpler than what you had expected to find, that simply proves my earlier point. Yahweh's way is simple. We are the ones who make it complicated. There are two other important Passover posts that I do hope you will read. One of them is Hezekiah's Passover. Now, this one really helps you relax and have a wholehearted Passover, especially if it's your first. I've linked to it here in this post. The other is another Passover post I wrote last year, linked to here, with more compelling and detailed info. I pray that you have a deeply meaningful and richly blessed Passover. I love y'all. Bye-bye.